Good morning. Welcome to Ed Brown Labor. Glad you're here. Bill, I'm glad you're back. I was thinking, uh, Mesa and Temple. I'm sorry? With socks. Oh, uh, this is Figs from Marek. Oh. For me. Right. Yeah. Not for you, for me. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. <laughs> Phil appreciates that. It's Mark. It's Mark. Yeah. As I was thinking uh, last night, you know, what a what a blessing we have, um, not in just Phil, but with Ben last week filling in. It was wrong to pitch in when uh, when Bill was gone. <clears throat> I mean, there, there were times, Phil, early on in, in, in the roundtable that something would come up, or you'd have something scheduled, and you'd have somebody fill in for you and you were gone. I did that one time, and the tennis was not real good following him. A lot of times, people would leave in the middle of, of round table. They just wouldn't stay. Uh, I don't know if it was because they had, you know, like all on a conference call and had to leave, or if it was a speaker. But I, what a blessing we have now with some of the guys we have come in. Well, it, it's kind of concerning because I was getting um, uh, texts uh, uh, just telling me to just stay in Tennessee. <laughs> I didn't know other people were saying those. <laughs> no, it, it, that is that is it is, it is great that that Gilly, obviously we developed that with Roman and Dan. Right. Ben does a great job. I was love to listen to him. <laughs> with that, uh, we will continue in the series with the book of True Face, being a man, taking off the mask, revealing. You know, I think for those of you that have been here, been through deer camp, spent some time with other men, you really ought to be sensing an urgent call to reach out to other men. I had an opportunity yesterday to sit with a guy, absolutely terrified me to death. Uh, consulting engineer that I've worked with in the past that uh, had a little meeting with me about two weeks ago. and. Uh, I don't know, we're in the industry. Who's an arrogant ass? Well, let's just say it. No, let's just say it. And it was so ugly that the client called me to the side and said, I don't want to work with him. That's not going to be acceptable. I like the associate engineer he brought, and I work with him. Well, that's a problem because the associate can't stamp the drawing. Let me see what I can do. And so I had to approach a guy that has really been through some struggles over the last couple of years. Divorce and some other family issues going on and professional issues going on. And sitting with him yesterday, and I was just prayerfully hoping that he would hear what I had to say. And I had to admit with tears in his eyes, I might have been one of the few people that sat in front of him and said, man, what you're doing to cover up something that's hurting is hurting you. And I don't know what it is, but I can go toe-to-toe with you because I've been just as angry as you are, but I would prefer not to. While you and I can do this, it hurts the people around us. And that's what should be important to me. No tears in his eyes, he said, yeah. My ex-wife has told me that several times. Huh. And then an invitation to men's round table. And I'll continue to talk to him, work with him, and hopefully he'll join this group and find out that he can be mentored by other men. And find out what it is that he's so angry about that he doesn't want to face that he keeps his mask on. That's what this series is about. Tell me, Father. I thank you so much for the day. I thank you for Phil and for Rome and Ben and the men that are here, the leadership team. Thank you for Jeff and Jeff and Chris preparation each week. Lord, may we hear your message through your messenger. May our hearts be touched. May our hearts be softened. 
May we find a way to open up to the men next to us. May we hear each other's stories. May we develop that intimacy of men supporting men, iron sharpening iron. And you're not afraid. Morning, gentlemen. Morning. Good to be back. How about them volunteers? Woo! Yeah, Omaha. Oh, I'm sorry. I, th I thought that's what I'd be saying when I was here two weeks ago. But how about them Ole Miss Rebels? Yeah. Now, I mean, two weeks ago, who would have thought that I, we'd be talking about the Ole Miss Rebels in Omaha and not Tennessee? I mean, it kind of hurts my feelings, you know? But, you know, that's the way sports is. So, uh, may uh, Ole Miss win tonight. Should have won last night. Should have won last night. Um, very, very, very grateful uh, to be back and uh, grateful for uh, uh, the job that uh, Ben did last week. And um, uh, truly, I, I heard great things um, about Ben's presentation, and I got to watch part of it. I haven't watched uh, um, all of it, but uh, the encouragement that has been given to me is uh, we all need to go and, and, uh, and uh, watch uh, Ben. If you were here last week, re-watch um, re it and, and enjoy it. And if you hadn't, um, wasn't here as I was not, uh, then go watch it for the first time. And I'm grateful for Ben and uh, for Roan when I'm not here, pinch hitting. Happy to report that uh, Papa is still alive and my sister has a, has a, has a new hip. That's what I was doing, uh, pinch hitting for her. Uh, she cares for 94-year-old Papaw. Uh, it's hard, hard to see uh, our, our um, parents uh, become little children. And uh, my dad is it's pitiful. It's pitiful. It's sad. Uh, but I was glad to have that week with him. So this morning, um, I want to offer you um, um, another... Um, Chris Tomlin um, uh, playing of his song "Amazing Grace," um, and on your uh, handout are the are the full lyrics. Uh, some of the hymn books uh, don't include all seven stanzas of John Newton's um, hymn "Amazing Grace." So uh, it's uh, I want you to to kind of be freshly uh, aware of all seven stanzas. This morning, before we um, listen to Chris Tomlin again, look at uh, um, stanza number two, or uh, verse number two. "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear." Isn't that an interesting line? It was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. And part of what we're gonna do this morning is just focus um, fresh on when we first um, got exposed to the gospel um, and what that was like um, and to be freshly showered, if you will, by God's grace. May you have those memories flood your heart this morning as we listen to this song and may you hear the voice of God and may he open our hearts to what he has for us this morning. Amazing Grace, Chris Tomlin. <clears throat> And once again, it takes us through uh, the awareness of William Wilberforce um, and his work to, uh, to uh, end slavery in England. <clears throat> Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch. Like me, I 
was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear? The I first Be on the alert, stand firm in your faith, act like men, be strong. Words from 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Follow with me as we read our introductory paragraph. Um, as we continue in our series, free to be a man, take the mask off and ride the open road of grace. As I mentioned to you when we started a couple weeks ago in this series, I've chose this uh, kind of picture uh, to be our uh, emblem for this series, four men on a horse, on horses, uh, four men on a horse. Now that, that, that would be a little close, would it not? <laughs> four men on horses, uh, <clears throat> and that's the way we want to live our life on a team of four, um, ourself and uh, three others. Many men try to hide and pretend they are not broken but this only leads to more hiding pretending and despair 
and nothing ever changes. We fear that God is almost never pleased. <clears throat> this study will lead us into the light between two different underlying motives. Our determination to please God, which just leads to misery, or to trust God. Powerful dichotomy, and uh, one will just make it hellish to try to live out the gospel, and the other frees you to live out the gospel. One results in a striving that never feels it has done enough to please him. And the other results in a trust that experiences his full pleasure. The righteous man shall live by faith. Our motives as Jesus followers will either keep us enslaved in our hiding or free us into God's adventure for our lives. Let's discover the open road of grace together. Right on. And so this morning, um, we look at a piece of this uh, puzzle, um, this idea of taking the mask off and being able uh, to um, attack this sad journey of hiding, the sad journey of hiding. It, 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 it breaks my heart to find men uh, who uh, are Jesus followers, proclaim to be Jesus followers, um, and that live in misery because they're so afraid that they're going to be found out and that they continue to have to live, as Eldridge says, as a poser. Or in cycle babble, we call it the false self. And we're so afraid uh, not to have our mask on. And so we hide behind the mask. That's, that's misery. I love the last verse of Genesis chapter 2. Uh, I, want this, I want that verse to kind of become part of the, our theme through the series. The last verse of Genesis chapter 2. I don't know what the number is. I don't remember what the number is. <clears throat> but the last verse says, And Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed. Many of you have um, grandbabies. Um, you have babies and, you know, nothing like an 18-month-old that can barely waddle and walk or run around naked. Naked, as we would say. And, you know, nobody thinks anything about that, you know. Mama's got pictures of me uh, that I've uh, looked in an old shoebox, me laying out on a blanket in the front yard, naked. I mean, what was she thinking? You know? Now that's a picture that I, I that I that uh, I, I didn't destroy it, but you're not going to see that here at Men's Roundtable, if I can help it. You know, even though I was I don't know six month old or something, uh, I don't want I don't want anybody seeing that. But it is that kind of idea emotionally and relationally and spiritually that God invites us into, to find a way to be naked and unashamed. And gentlemen, that's called the gospel. That's the gospel. Allows us to be like little six-month-olds laying on a blanket in the front yard, completely naked. No tan line. <laughs> no tan line, exactly. No tan line. Turn over to Galatians chapter five. Jeff's got it up here on the screen. Galatians chapter 5, just the first verse. Christ has set us free, and I would just say naked and unashamed, to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. And again, in your study Bible, it reads, Something like this. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Now, I want you to consider this morning uh, as, we, as we begin our study, what would it be like if you could just live all this day totally free to be you? What would that look like? Totally free just to be you. 
free to love and you wouldn't feel all that resentment and how somebody hurt you years ago. And, oh no, I don't want to see that guy or you got to go home and you had a fight with your wife last night. And you're just still hurting over that miserable, but you would be free to love and be loved. Wow. Free. No longer carrying a, a, a yoke around you of bitterness or shame or guilt or fear or anger or denial, but that you would be free to be you, naked and unashamed. Look at Romans chapter five. <clears throat> Romans chapter five, and I... I I love this passage. Um, it's this idea of truly understanding uh, the aggressive forgiveness found in grace. I love that terminology. All that passing laws against sin did was produce more lawbreakers. And we just call that the shoulds. You should be better. You should do this. You should, you should, you should. And the more shoulds we hear, the more guilty we feel and the more we hide. But sin didn't and doesn't have a chance in competition with the aggressive forgiveness we call grace. Guys, as I've said to you before, you're not as far along in your uh, life uh, walking with Jesus as you want to be and as you could be, not because you don't know what to do. But I believe the reason you're not further along is because you feel so condemned and guilty. And if you felt more grace and more accepted, you would feel more free to live out that which you know to do. You don't need to know more of what to do. Most of us are way beyond that. But the reason we don't and we find ourselves inhibited and prohibitive is because we feel such guilt and hurt over our sin. We need more grace, more acceptance, not more shoulds. And that's what the gospel is. When it's sin versus grace, grace wins hands down. All sin can do is threaten us with death. And that's the end of it. Grace, because God is putting everything together again through the Messiah, invites us into life, a life that goes on and on and on, world without end. It's, it's grace. And then the Bible gives us a great framework of how to live out that grace-filled life. There's lime on the playing field. It's not like Sarah Sarah and, and grace are not synonyms. I said that to somebody the other day, and I said, well, that's what Doris Day said. And they said, who's Doris Day? <laughs> You know, at least you could say it, it used to be an old restaurant in Jackson. You know, you could say that too. You know, they didn't know that. Um, so it's this idea that grace doesn't mean whatever goes, goes. But grace means that which you have been can be changed because of the forgiveness. You're accepted based on nothing that you do. It's unmerited favor. So um, pick up your pen. I've got three questions for you this morning. I want you to go to work. I'll let you share a little bit with your uh, friend there in just a minute. First question that I want to ask you as, as we uh, once again get into this idea of I don't want to hide. That, that's what we're trying to attack. Take the mask off. Don't hide anymore. So question number one, what guilt do you carry? that you need to face. What would, what would come to your mind this morning if I called you out and I said, Marshall, I want you to come up here right now and I want you to tell me the, the most guilt-ridden, shameful thing that you've ever done. Come on up, Marshall. No, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. Just kidding, just kidding. You, you would, and, and, I, and I love that, uh, Marshall, because again, you understand grace. What comes to your mind? What would be hard for you to come up here and talk about? Write that down. Just put it down. Guilt. Greatest failure of your life. The hurt that you wish you could take away. 
the guilt that inhibits your ability to love? What comes to your mind? Guilt, I failed, I failed, I failed, guilt. <clears throat> You know, this past week, as, as I was with my uh, my dad, and again, you know, it's uh, it's kind of funny, um, an unusual circumstance uh, to be taking care of, of him at this season of, uh, of my life. I mean, uh, it's really like two old guys sitting together in a room. <laughs> but, you know, as I sat there, I felt younger and younger because uh, I kept remembering being eight years old and nine years old and 12 years old. And it was, that was hard. It was hard because what I'm looking at is a shell of the man. I still felt 12, but what I was looking at was a 94 year old man. And um, it brought up a lot of reflection, especially moving into father's day on Sunday of what it means to be a father. And uh, there's not a man in this room that uh, does not long to hear his father say, as God would say to us, well done, you fought well. And God's just, I believe, ingrained that in our heart, that we want him to say that to us one day as our heavenly father. But until that day, we long to hear that from our earthly father. And those of us who are in this room and we have the privilege of being fathers Never, never miss an opportunity to say that to your children. So proud of you. So proud of you. So question number two, I'd ask you, how have you been hurt that continues to affect you? What's the hurt that you carry in your life? And it may be the words that you never heard from your father or it may be the words that you did hear from your father. You know, bad day for everybody on that day, you know. Said, said those things, heard those things, or, you know, um, the hurt that you feel in being falsely accused. I, I truly believe that the second greatest pain in all the universe is to be falsely accused. I believe it's the second because the first is betrayal. And I say that because that was the first pain when Lucifer, the, the most beautiful of angels, betrayed God and wanted to be God. And that was the fall. Adam and Eve was the second fall. But the first fall was when Lucifer fell out of heaven because he betrayed God. And then the second great pain, I believe, is being falsely accused because that's what they did to Jesus, falsely accused. And so one of the great hurts that we can all um, uh, struggle with is when somebody sees us so differently than we want to be seen and we're falsely accused. And then, of course, it's really painful when they figure out what we have done and then they accuse us of that all afresh. And it's just all of a sudden we're flooded with that guilt all over again. So I want you to turn to your partner and I want you to share at whatever level uh, you feel comfortable this morning of being vulnerable. And if, and, if, and if what you wrote down in your journal is just too painful to share, just say, you know, I don't feel comfortable sharing that. That's okay. But I want to give you a chance um, to share because I truly believe that, that what God has given us in redemptive history and in the gospel is a talking faith. We've got to put uh, words to experience. And part of uh, the reason that we're not further along in our faith is we don't talk enough about experience and about where we are. So turn to your partner and share the guilt uh, or the hurt that you've experienced.
Let's uh, pull back together. It is good to have a safe place to share how you have failed and how your failure has hurt others. Sometimes um, our guilt is what we need to acknowledge and sometimes it is the hurt that we've experienced from others doing that's so critical. Sometimes we're the hurt-er, and sometimes we're the hurt-e. But it is this dynamic of guilt and hurt that Jesus came to attack. And that third, the third question there, what resources does the gospel offer for your own guilt and hurt caused by others or that you have caused? And I would just suggest to you guys that the powerful um, dynamic of forgiveness that we are offered through the grace of God out of no merit of our own is so amazing. How do you know that you have been forgiven? And how do you know that you've forgiven another person? Now, again, that's a book. And you know, but I would say that the simple answer to that question is one word. And that's compassion. That the fruit of forgiveness is compassion. Do you have compassion for yourself? because of the, those things that you've done and the guilt that you feel. Uh, I don't believe that you can dredge up compassion, but I believe that you can receive forgiveness and begin to have a compassionate view of yourself. And then I, and then I believe that when you have forgiven somebody who has hurt you, um, that the fruit um, of that forgiveness that you extend to another person is when you begin to feel compassion for them. And guys, as, as I've stood before you for years up here, that the journey of my relationship with my dad has been one of forgiveness. I love him. There's nobody that I have wanted uh, approval from more than my dad. And it's brought me the most pain um, in forgiving him um, for how he failed as a dad has been a hard journey for me. But, you know, as, as I've learned more about his dad, I'm like, my goodness, my dad was much, much better dad to me than his dad was to him. And it's just been this generational craziness of hardened men just not being loved and nurtured by their dads. It's, it's a, that's a book in and of itself. 
So I want you to turn over um, in your notes there, and let's take the mask off. Unresolved sin kills the heart. Guys, we've got to do our work. And part of this idea of doing our work is being able to answer the question, how did I get here? How did I get here? We need to see where we are and how we got there. We need to see ourselves in our story to see what causes and nurtures the responses that trip us up. And those responses, I mean, again, we would call those defense mechanisms. What, what you do to survive and again, we call that the false self. We call that the poser. Uh, we call those strategies that we come up with to survive. We must see that our controlling behavior isn't a response to something happening in the present. So much of the way we interact in our relationships is a projection of the past onto the present. Carla and I are doing our couples workshop this weekend. Um, and we'll um, have a full crew. And part of what she and I talk about is how the fight that we've had in our relationship for 40 years of marriage, we have uh, not had hundreds of fights. We've had one fight hundreds of times initiated by me. And that is the fight that comes out of my woundedness from my father that I always wanted his approval and always wanted his attention, and he just didn't know how to verbalize it. And so the criticism that I've had of Carla is that she's not giving me what I want and giving me enough attention. And so I criticize her. How do you think that works? You know, not too good, you know, because um, she, won't, she won't take that. She's a tough little Texan, you know. And she will not allow my projection of my father wound onto her. That's not me you're talking to. Go deal with your dad. And so it's this idea, if we can begin to understand uh, the phases of unresolved sin and discover what is happening to us, we may uh, no longer react to life like these little rodents in the uh, uh, Arctic, the lemmings headed for a cliff. It's, it's stopping the reactive behavior. Now think about it. How reactive are you in your relationship with those you love? Rather than responding, you're reacting. You know, praise God, we don't call our firemen and our policemen uh, first reactors. <laughs> You know, ready, shoot, aim. No, we call them first responders. First responders. Because, again, like what you've got, this journey of hiding, it's a three-phrase process. An act of sin, involuntary response, inevitable effect. So the act of sin, even in my relationship with my dad, was just lack of nurture lack of verbalizing. My response was to feel guilt, um, to feel like there's something wrong with me and to try harder. And the inevitable effect is just to become a pleaser in my relationships. And that was miserable. I was wearing myself out, running around. It doesn't work that way. So what we've got to deal with is first of our, uh, in, in order to, to, to deal with this unresolved sin, First of all, is deal with our guilt. Turn over to Psalm 51. Incredible passage of an insight into a man who's writing in his journal. This, this is what a man who wants to deal with his guilt sounds like. And, and this Psalm, as many of you know, was written by David after his affair with Bathsheba. He had committed adultery and then, and then made sure that Bathsheba's uh, husband uh, uh, was killed in battle. I mean, it's one thing to have an affair, but then have, his, have the husband killed? And that's a man after God's own heart right there. It's amazing. Now listen to uh, as David deals with that guilt. This is what he writes in his journal. Generous in love, 
God, give grace, huge in mercy, wipe out my bad record. Scrub away my guilt, soak out my sins in your laundry. I know how bad I've been. My sins are staring me down. You're the one I violated and you've seen it all, seen the full extent of my evil. Now, that verse, that's verse four, is an amazing verse. Now, let me read it out of, out of, out of a study Bible. It reads like this, against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Does that not strike you as amazing? He committed adultery. He had uh, the wife's husband killed, and then he has the audacity in a certain sense to say against you and you only have I sinned. There's such intensity there with the accountability of David before his heavenly father. It's like, you know, nothing else really matters. It's like, if I'm right with you, the world is right. Uh, the only sin I've really committed in a certain sense is alienating myself from you. You have all the facts before you. Whatever you decide about me is fair. I've been out of step with you for a long time in the wrong since I, before I was born. What you're after is truth from the inside out. Enter me then. Conceive a new, true life. Soak me in your laundry and I'll come out clean. Scrub me and I'll have snow white life. Tune me into foot tapping songs. Set these once broken bones to dancing. Don't look too close for blemishes. Give me a clean bill of health. God, make a fresh start in me. Shape a Genesis week from the chaos of my life. Don't throw me out with the trash or fail to breathe holiness in me. Bring me back from gray exile. Put a fresh wind in my sails. Give me a job teaching rebels your ways so the lost can find their way home. Welcome to Men's Roundtable. Glad you're here. Guys, in order to deal with our guilt, we've got to start to acknowledge it, you know? And that's what David is doing. He's crying out. So again, we are filled with guilt. All of us are. And that's what God has taken through the gospel. He makes us guiltless. Then some of us suffer from the hurt that uh, has been brought to us by others. So there's guilt and then there's hurt. Look over at Psalm 31 in where David addresses the hurt, the betrayal of others. He says in verse 12, um, verse 11, I'll start with verse 11. To my enemies, I'm a monster. I'm ridiculed by the neighbors. My friends are horrified. They cross the street to avoid me. They want to blot me from memory, forget me like a corpse in a grave, discard me like a broken dish in the trash. The street talk gossip has me criminally insane. Behind locked doors, they plot how to ruin me for good. And then, and then jump over to Psalm 41 as it continues to feel the hurt and betrayal being falsely accused even by friends. Verse seven of Psalm 41 these friends who hate me whisper slanders all over town. They formed committees to plan misery for me. The rumor goes out, he's got some dirty, deadly disease. The doctors have given up on him. Even my best friend, the one I always told everything, he ate meals at my house all the time, has bitten my hand. God give grace, get me up off my feet. I'll show them a thing or two hurt, wounded by our friends. Guys, it is the gospel of Jesus, the forgiveness that does away with our guilt and swallows up our hurt. I want to show you a clip out of William Wilberforce. And this is a scene in William Wilberforce, um, the great social reformer. And this is the book that I just finished reading, Amazing Grace by Eric um, Metaxas. And um, I wanted to read this card. I, I bought this uh, a used book. It's brand new, but it was it's it's it apparently never been opened. 
Um, and when I got it off of Amazon, there was this card in it. I want to read the card to you. It's sad. It's signed, Love Granddad. Obviously, his son, Evan. And this is what Granddad wrote to Evan. For your library, during the ceremony for my mama, everyone sang Amazing Grace, which always choked me up and brings this book to mind. It's an inspiring story of how one person can change his life and change the world. I didn't read it until I was 70. Have a great birthday and come when you can. Love granddad. I want to be a granddad like that. I want to be a father like that. Should have watched this scene out of William Wilberforce when he finds God. door. Uh, I would turn him away, sir, but you insisted I always check. Uh, just give him breakfast. Thank you, sir. Richard? Sir? I know that lying down on the wet grass is not a normal thing to do. None of my business, sir. The truth is, uh, I've been even more strange than usual lately, haven't I? It's God. I have 10,000 engagements of state today, but I would prefer to spend the day out here getting a wet arse, studying dandelions and marvelling at bloody spider's webs. You found God, sir? I think he found me. You have any idea how inconvenient that is? How idiotic it will sound. I have a political career glittering ahead of me, and in my heart I want spider's webs. It is a sad fate. For a man to die too well known to everybody else and still unknown to himself. Francis Bacon. I don't just dust you books, sir. So you found God. I think he found me. I think he found me. Gentlemen, when we don't deal with the guilt and the hurt that comes from sin, we remain in hiding. And the fruit of unresolved guilt and unresolved hurt is shame, blame, fear, denial, and anger. Do a quick assessment. How are you? Shame, blame, fear, Denial and anger. I didn't find God. He found me. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. We'll close with this. Ephesians 2, verses uh, 7 through uh, 10. Now God has us where he wants us with all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness 
upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we had done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. Every man in this room has a calling and has a meaning and a purpose that God gives us. Do you know that? Do you believe that? Even today, even today, as you are free in Jesus, he has an assignment for you to go love somebody or to be loved by somebody and many other ripple effects from that. Thank you, God. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for your aggressive forgiveness of grace. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you that as we trust you, we are free men, free at last. Help us to be free in a way that brings honor to your name and continued healing to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day.